You want to achieve great things? You want to reach the next level? Well, so does every other entrepreneur. You know what that means? You have to take every competitive advantage possible. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, the show where we're going to show you how to create this competitive advantage by being more productive and sharing the secrets of the world's top performers. I'm your host, Kenny Aronson, and I think it's time to get down to business. Welcome, everyone, to the Da Vinci Mindset Podcast. During this show, we focus on all areas of self-development and how we can help you to reach your full potential. If you enjoy the content of this show, please consider subscribing. And if you're passionate about learning and reaching your full potential, then also please consider joining our new Facebook group, the Self-Development Community. And you're going to find the link down below. There's a whole wide world of opportunity out there, but some industries and businesses are a little more competitive than others. One of these competitive industries is the music industry. And today, I'm very excited to bring you my conversation with my new friend, Kenny Barnwell who knows this competitiveness very well. Kenny is actually the author of two books in the music career business, and he also shares the same name as me. (laughs) He is also very, very passionate about self-development and music technology. So without any further ado, I would like to welcome my new friend, Kenny Barnwell, to the show. So hey, Kenny, how you doing today, man? Kenny, I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty pumped up. Yeah, like I said before, you have the best name, so. Yeah, yeah, so do you. I, I definitely have to agree <laughs> with that one. You know, it's a, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate you joining me today. My pleasure, man. Off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. So, you know, I, I always start off with the, the same question, the same first question and the same last question. So, Kenny, okay. why don't you start off by telling us just a little bit about yourself, what you're doing in this huge wide world, and maybe what some of your goals or your dreams are. Okay. Wow. Uh, I mean, obviously that's, uh, not su- such a surface level question. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of depth a pretty there. Deep one. <laughs> it is deep right out of the gate, which I love that. But, um, I'll, I'll just start by telling you that, uh, I grew up in rural Georgia, about 40 minutes outside of Atlanta. I grew up on a dirt road, a dead end dirt road off of another dirt road and grew up, <laughs> uh, kind of like farmland living, um, so, you know, a lot of hard work, learning the, the value of a dollar and things like that. I also grew up with deaf parents. My parents uh, are deaf. And so growing up in a deaf household added a unique element to, to my growth for certain. Um, a lot more expressionative deaf people are. And uh, me and my brothers, I was the youngest of five. Uh, we were all really loud kids because our par- parents couldn't hear us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one, one unique segue into that was music. Um, I grew up in church and stuff like that. And church uh, was probably the biggest influence for music for me, as well as my older siblings, because it didn't come from my parents. My parents, uh, being deaf, had no uh, connection to music whatsoever. Um, But when I was about 10 years old, I started like beating on the walls with my hands playing drums. And, uh, you know, my parents being deaf, they have other senses that are heightened. So they could feel these vibrations like it was a freaking hurricane in the house. So they literally <laughs> bought me a drum kit to contain me, uh, which is pretty unique <laughs> in itself. But, um, but yeah, through that, you know, through that influence from, from, you know, church and, and how I was raised, uh, music really kind of took hold of my life and I was able to, to kind of feed my passion into that. Um, but it wasn't right away. I went through a lot of trials and tribulations to get there. But what I'm doing now in the world with music is 
I'm kind of sharing my, uh, in the music industry, I, I set up concerts for a living, event production, you know, audio, lighting, video, staging, pyrotechnics. Uh, my specific department is called Backline, which is all the music instruments uh, and production and stage management. But uh, through that, it's, it's a really large world of opportunity. And so my mission these days are to empower people um, that were like me growing up uh, that kind of had a, a little bit more difficult time with schooling, like regular school, and to show them that there's this world of opportunity within the music industry to, uh, you know, kind of feed your passion and learn technical and engineering trades without going to, to school itself. Um, which is kind of a unique thing in my industry. You can still be an engineer and a technician or a carpenter or a designer and not go to college. Um, and I'm not necessarily an ad, not an advocate for college. Of course I am. Uh, education is the most important thing, but not everybody's right for that structure type of education. And so I have uh, made it my mission to kind of show people this world of the music industry and uh, feed their potential. Let them know that they, they, they can achieve something this monumental because the music industry is a very expansive living. You, you, you travel the world, you know, you get to uh, work on, on some massive projects that are, you know, some, something that is way bigger than you, you know, and you get to really make a difference in people's lives. Um, so it's a really expansive life. And I'm, my mission these days is to show people that. Hey man, an that's awesome. Yeah. I think that, you know, what you just said about a lot of people, you know, the, the structured formal education system might not be for them. And a lot of it's marketed that way, that, that that's the mm. only choice. But there, there's so many cool things out to do that to do out there. And there's a whole wide world of opportunity. And I think that it's, it's great that you're sh trying to show people that and I do respect you for doing that. That's awesome. Thank you. You know, traveling <laughs> the world and you know, meeting all these different people and learning all these skills that does sound really awesome. Because yes, you know, that, that's something that I hadn't considered before. But I think, you know, you know, thinking about it now, there's, you know, people in my life that I know personally, friends or relatives that, you know, that would probably be something that they would really enjoy. So I think that's, that's definitely something that's very cool that you're doing. And, and I'm curious for your, for the music tech work that you're doing, is it just mm -hmm. you doing it? Or do you have a team working with you as well? Um, as far as the artists that I work for, it's, it's, you know, we work as a part of a bigger team, but I'm, I'm a freelancer in that I get hired directly to work for artists um in in our industry in the music industry in the concert industry you can work for companies and get put on calls and be a part of teams that put together different areas of the production um, but then there are some positions like myself that work directly with artists and work with instruments uh, that i have to kind of hustle up my own work and build my own relationships um, and so therefore i kind of work for myself but but no matter what it is all a massive machine I mean, it's so many different, you know, departments and contributions come together to put the show on, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does sound really massive. Like, so, like <laughs> when I see shows, like if I go to a concert or something, just thinking about all the work that goes into it, all the tech and all the little nitty gritty details, it's, it's just crazy to think about. And I think tremendous. That, yeah, it does sound like something that's fulfilling and <laughs> something that would be interesting to a, a lot of people to do. Yeah, it can be. And, um, you know, the opportunities that are there really requires a lot of self-reliance and, and self-motivation, um, meaning like, you know, if you go to a college for, for what I'm talking about, show production, which is a new thing, it's only been within the past decade that, that show production has been an, an option in formal schooling. 
Um, you go through, you know, two, four year program or whatever, just to start back at the beginning. But what I teach people is a, a, a bit of a self-assertiveness and self-reliance because ultimately these artists and these productions, you know, they need people that are self-reliant. And so, and that starts foundationally. If you've never, if you went to school for this and you've never made calls or tried to get on gigs or, you know, worked gigs or made decisions relative to, to doing the work, um, then you're not going to be any more ready than somebody that like how I start people off as stagehands in their local community. Um, so, you know, it requires someone to see opportunity and then to go after it. Um, because I started as a stagehand in Atlanta at the same level as, you know, everybody that, that I had started with. Um, now, there are a lot of people that I worked with, this was 17 years ago, that are still stagehands today. Some of them just want to be and some of them just don't know how to find that within themselves to navigate and take opportunity because the opportunity is there, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be given to you. You know, you have to see it, acknowledge it, and then go after it. Um, and that's what this, this uh, music business is about. So even if you do have a, you know, two, four year education, it's not going to make your drive and your, you know, self-assertiveness any more valuable. You got to be able to go and earn that on the road or yeah, doing yeah, gigs. Definitely. I think that if you have a big goal or you have a big dream, something you in life, like you want to get big in the music industry or you want to be mm -hmm. an aspiring artist or something, you got to take a lot of action because it's yes. a very, very competitive industry. And I'm, sh I'm sure that over the years you have seen how competitive it is. So I'm curious, what do you think are the, the best and worst parts of such a competitive industry? You know, I think the competition lies within uh, themselves. And the reason why I say this is because there are a lot of opportunities there. And yes, there are a lot of road people, production people that are not getting the gigs and getting the calls. Um, so try to answer your question here. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's, it's, you you know re rephrase the question again because i just want to make sure i'm answering it right oh i was just wondering like for a very competitive industry let's say let's just focus mm. on the music industry what are the best and worst parts of an industry being so competitive um i think the best parts of of the competition is it brings out the best people um okay, yeah you know because people that are going to be getting like at least the high profile gigs really want it you know for the most part but then at the same time, my industry, music industry, is insanely relationship-based. And why I say insanely is because I have seen a lot of people on the road that are, you know, poor attitudes, pessimistic, negative, you know, uh, maybe they're just not great techs or good engineers, you know, poor attitudes, whatever, causing conflict. But because of the fact that they have great relationships with, you know, the powers that be the decision makers, they continue to get on tours. They continue to get on gigs. I mean, we see them all over the world, these, these people. And it's because of the fact that, you know, there is enough work for everybody, despite what the people with limiting beliefs believe, but, but, you know, there's also a negative because it's a relationship based business. So a lot of people are hiring their buddies, despite them not being, the best candidate. So that's a negative as well. Um, so, you know, but it also fuels my desire to, to really empower people early on to let them know that, you know, 
especially as the music industry and concerts get more technologically advanced. I mean, we have things that, that we're putting together into shows that are just unbelievable. I mean, holograms and flying stuff. I mean, we've been doing a lot of this stuff for years, but like now we're, we're really getting to the point to where, I mean, you really have to be great. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, there's so much new technology. It's not like there's school for this stuff anyways. So it's a lot of a bunch of self-driven, passionate techies, nerds, <laughs> a lot of us <laughs> misfits that are going after these positions because, you know, it's fulfilling, they pay well. And, uh, and really there's no competition. You know, the competition is really just somebody or, or within yourself because the opportunities are there and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I don't know, man, I, I think that like, the music business and what I do is just such an evolving thing uh, in regards to, to people that I just think it's still the wild west, man. There's like so much opportunity. Okay. Wow. That, that's actually really cool. I, I like what you said about, you know, the, all the competition is just in your mind. And I think a lot it of is. people out there, you know, they're, they're so afraid to get in there. They don't take the right actions. And sometimes it's just, it's just totally all in your brain and you, and you, and I'm curious, I'm just out of curiosity you mentioned that, you know, there's, there's a lot of new technologies and things coming out. Well, like, what are some of those? What can they do? And how does it change the industry? Well, I mean, for instance, you know, we have automation. Okay, well, there's, there's two big departments in, in our industry. Automation and video are really two prominent departments that are really rapid, rapidly advancing in regards to tech uh, and, the, and the technology that goes behind it. It's not like they're going to be any you know, techs or engineers, guys or girls that right now know this stuff. So it's who, whoever is doing it now is going to end up learning this new stuff and passing it along. That's what I'm saying. The opportunity is massive right now. So like automation, for instance, you can be an automation expert, six figure position, easy on, and you're only working the big tours, the big concerts, because that's who can afford automation. But uh, things like um, drones, Drones in concerts are becoming a new big thing. There's a video of Drake and his last uh, show. They did a big, uh, massive Ferrari, and it was a, it was actually an inflatable, but it looked plastic. It looked <laughs> absolutely like a real Ferrari, and it was a drone. And they flew That's the thing really around cool. the arena. They did like a like a, now we're bringing on tour drone pilots. There was a, a whole drone choreographed thing with Drake's show recently that was with lighting and drones. Um, you know, automation, like uh, being able to work these these uh, catapults and flying stuff, like flying gags. I used to work with, with Ariana Grande, and we had a, a couple of flying gags, what we would put her on and fly her through. And, you know, the guys that are that are running this stuff, the guys and girls that are doing this, is, you know, a lot of them are like me, high school dropouts, maybe got their GEDs. They're like, they're not necessarily have gone to college. They're just super, you know, hardworking and smart people. Um, that decided to go uh, and invest in themselves and learn these tech skills, you know, because the opportunity is there. Yeah. It's so. all about the learning and you know, there's, there's so many opportunities out there, but you know, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's, there's just so many opportunities out there, you know, the, the music industry, entrepreneurship, there's, there's all these different things. So mm -hmm. for anyone who's looking to get into a field like this, whether, you know, I mean, you know, we were talking about how competition it's in the mind, but if they're getting into mm. a, a field that's typically labeled as competitive, do you have any advice mm -hmm. that you would give to these people? Yeah, my advice is don't have to decide right away what you want to do within the, within the business. Um, you know, colleges and formal, formal 
schooling will tell you audio engineering or video directing or like these specific things. And it's great that if you know what you want to do, but one thing that I have found out over the years is a lot of people that are in positions now, they didn't necessarily start there. Um, for instance, I just did a tour last year with a guy named Chris Isaac, an artist and our lighting designer, um, sat down with me. I was telling him about my training that I have. And he goes, you know, I have a degree from SAE in audio engineering. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And he was like, but you know, I needed to go make some money after school. So I started doing production with a friend and he turned me on to lighting. And he goes, I had no idea that I would have such a passion for, you know, coloring the stage and, and lights and colors and effects. And like, I had no idea that I would love to, to do lighting and have such a passion for lighting. He goes, so right. To be honest with you, I'm doing lighting to pay off my audio degree, you know? <laughs> But if he, and he goes, you know, the way I train my students is I send my students to work as stagehands, which is a no experience necessary position in their local area. And when you do that as a stagehand, you're, you basically just are a helper with concerts. But what most stagehands don't realize is the, the power and the opportunity that they have in that position to get leveled up training. And so he was telling me, he's like, if I would have known, you know, that I could have started as a stagehand, I could have got my hands on audio, lighting, video, carpentry, pyro, you know, I got, I would have getting, gotten to drive forklifts and do all these things. And then I would have realized, oh, lighting's a thing and I love it. But instead he's like, I spent 50 grand in four years to go get an audio degree just to find out that lighting was a thing and I love it, you know? Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's, I think that's a, a common scenario for so many people out there. And it's one of the problems with the, the current system that we have is because, you know, you're sending these people off to college or university and you're telling them you got to figure out what you want to do right now. And I think that's, you know, not the right way to do it because if you haven't tried a whole bunch of things, if you haven't tried, you know, there, there's so many things to do out there in the world. How do you know what you actually want to do? You know, I think that's, you know, that's a problem because I, I see a lot of people, like they're, they're in school right now and they hate what they're doing and, but they just keep going through with it because mm. they think that's the only way. But I feel like if, right. like if people were, were motivated to go out there and, and try a whole bunch of different things, either while they're in high school or while they're in university or, or before they go to university, I mean, I think it'd be a lot better for them to do that. And, you know, wh one of the things that it really takes is it takes a lot of motivation and drive to go out there and take the actions that you need to take. So uh, I was curious, Kenny, do you have any, any tips or techniques or key pointers for how to stay motivated and driven? Yeah, I do, man. I do. I, you know, it's obviously there's, there's so much talk about the why, right? You know, why, 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 why are we doing what we're doing? And uh, the reason why is because that's absolutely true. You know, it's about being worth it. Uh, and also about aligning. That's why it, with what motivates me and, and my students is the fact that like they don't have to just, you know, pick a pick something right away. They don't have to be, you know, the top tech right away. Like, you know, it, it's it's a it's a matter of like, listen, you're about to go through the hardest thing in your life because you are talking about a dream here. You know, you're talking about something that does not exist yet. You're talking about a person that does not exist yet. You know, you got to build that person and, uh, and how worth it is it? And, uh, so what I 
like to do to motivate myself now is to realize that I'm a motivator to my community. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a leader because I'm leading by example. And so uh, I, that's kind of like my nowadays motivation is listen, I'm, I'm, people are looking up to me, you know, and, uh, and that can motivate me to continue because it's worth it. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, right now, I, some would probably look at me as I'm the top of my game relative to where I'm at and what I've done in my business, but, or, or in my career, but I'm, for me, it's just a, I'm at the bottom, you know, I'm, I'm a stepping stone into what's next, um, which is exciting. So, so I think that's my motivation. And uh, if I would suggest what you could use as motivation for yourself is to uh, just to think about that worth, man. Like, is it worth it to you? You know, there's, there's a reason why we do anything and it's, and it just goes back to, to value what we attach to it, you know? And for me, you know, getting to travel the world and make good money and, you know, meet people all over the world and put on shows and that life for me, it's worth going through the rainy festivals and the, you know, the hard travel, you know, waking up in a new country sometimes every day is not easy. (laughs) <laughs> or, or the constant rejection early on. Like when I first started as a stagehand, you know, you have, it's a call list and you have to get on the gigs. Well, I got told no a dozen times or more before I finally got told yes, you know, like all that stuff was worth it, you know? So, and man, that's awesome. You definitely stay driven and you went through it, but I'm curious. So you've been to all these places all over the world. What place sticks out to you the most? Uh, two places, Amsterdam, because that's where my wife and I had our first date. That's awesome. <laughs> we, we met on tour, but I would say one of my most favorite places in the world is Japan. I've always wanted to go yeah. there. Yeah. J- Japan. They're just some of the nicest people, some of the most honest, respectful people. Um, you know, it's interesting. A friend of mine, uh, had just bought this really nice Canon camera. We're over there on tour. And he's like, you know, one of those one with like the two XLR inputs, like the three, you know, the nice one. And he's like loving that thing. We're all over Tokyo. He's filming, filming, you know, went to the bar late that night. And after we got back to the hotel, we took the taxi back to the hotel. Now Tokyo is crazy busy, you know, we get back to the hotel and he was like, Oh man, I left my camera. Like he, he didn't know if he left in the bar and the taxi, whatever. So he goes down to the front desk. He tries to tell, he explained it to the front desk people about his lost camera. And I, I, I'm not joking about two hours later, he gets a knock on the door and this guy's got his camera. I was like, so your camera. And he's like, Oh my gosh, let me, <laughs> let me give you some money. He's like, no, no, no. You know, it's like, but it's just what they do. Everybody's bowing and respectful and just like, it's safe. And the history and the culture over there is amazing. So I would say Japan. I'm going to have to go there one day. That, that is definitely <laughs> on my bucket list. Have you only been there once and how long did you stay there? No, no, I've been there a, a bunch over the years. Very That's cool. the thing about my industry is like, you know, my, my first tour, I had, was like 19, about to turn 20. And, uh, you know, within the first six months, I had been to all, like 48 states, you know, and like a handful of, 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 of provinces in Canada. By my second or third year of touring, I'd literally been to every state uh, multiple times over and, uh, and most of the countries in Europe. I mean, fast forward 17 years. Now I've got friends all over the world. I've got my favorite coffee shops in, you know, Prague or whatever, like, you know, because that's the life. That's part of it. That's, that that's so the cool. worth it. That's, that's very cool. I know a lot of people really love to travel and for anyone yeah. who's 
you know, in that category, you know, this could be something that you could really do. And, you know, I, I definitely want to do some more traveling, you know, that's on my bus list. And, you know, when you, when you have something like this and it allows you to do that, you know, I think that, you know, it can, it can be such a good thing for you. And I think that's great. And, you know, I also think that, you know, starting a career like this or, or doing something really big in the world, you know, it, it all starts in your mind. And, you know, I, I was curious how, like, what importance do you place on mindset? For, you know, you know, not just being a stagehand or being in the music tech industry, but, you know, just for life in general. Man, I'm so glad you asked me that because I am uh, massive on mindset. It's everything. I, I, you know, work on it every day from from books to podcasts to, to Tony Robbins priming. Um, you know, I've been to Tony Robbins events like I'm a big proponent of of feeding your your mind because it's. It, it literally is everything. There was plenty of gigs that I was on that like my body would have given it up if it wasn't for my mind and my, and my mind power and my mindset. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all about that. I t- actually, I'll tell you this. I start my students out with mindset in my program and in my books, even my books are less technical than, than they are mindset because the reality is, is it's, it's all about that. I think if somebody can tell you they can take you from where you, want, where you are now to where you want to be without starting with mindset is probably BSing you. You know, it all is based on where our head's at and where, how much belief we have in ourselves, you know. Definitely. I think that, you know, that, that's a very good point. It all starts with mindset. And I really like how you do that in your books and your programs. And, you know, I think that's something that I need to, you know, expand more on for, for my programs. And for everyone out there listening, like if you're in a bad place in life or you just want more out of life, it all starts in your mind. So, mm. you know, I want to I want to ask something about what you said. You said you're at one of Tony Robbins events. So how did that go? You know, I've seen some of the videos and things and, you know, like I, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. So I'm just curious how it went yeah. and what your experience was. Uh, my experience was fantastic, man. I mean, you know, you you immediately are are uncovered if you're covered meaning like you know you you go starting from the first moment you're in that room to just like dancing with strangers and hugging strangers and clapping five and just really breaking down who you are i mean you you become a firewalker which means you walk on like 16 foot of flames and coals uh because of where your mindset is at like it's really powerful uh the analogy being that if you can you know walk on fire you can do anything um, but I think these events are, uh, for people that want, want them, you know, I think if you, if you really want the event, then you're going to really get a lot out of it. And, um, uh, and I think that, uh, for, for me or anyone, man, you'll, you'll get so crazy clear. You'll get so pumped. You know, they, they always say that you've drank the Kool-Aid. Um, so, but I, but I would say, obviously all of that is fantastic. There's a, there's a workbook where that should ideally push you to action but without the action from those events then obviously it's it's just a motivating feeling for a handful of months until it until it dissipates because you didn't continue riding the wave you know that's what those things are for it's like okay well look let me get, let you get clear let me realize that it's possible and uh, set you on a path and then you know give you a bit of boost and perspective to do it but it's still up to you so and then exactly what my course does my books do you know? So, and unfortunately I feel like oftentimes people that uh, go to colleges and stuff like that for like what, with what I do, um, they're expecting this kind of like 
done for you path, you know, but then when you're still done with getting the, the book knowledge or the education, there's still a bunch of application that you have to go do. It's like, uh, there's a guy named Joel Salatin. Um, that's a mentor of Ty Lopez. I follow him for a while. And, uh, he says, you can't Google experience. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. I think that, you know, motivation, education, knowledge, these things are, you know, they're great. But, you know, you have that on one hand, but on the other hand, you have the actions that you take. And if you, you have one without mm. the other, you know, you're not going to get as much out of it. So like if you take actions without getting the right knowledge, you're going to make a whole bunch of mistakes. And for example, if you're in business or if you're an entrepreneur, these mistakes are going to cost you a lot of money. So you really need to have a balance of both. So you can find mentors, you can read books, you can do courses. And there's, there's, there's so many different resources out there that you can use. And, you know, personally for me, I think it's amazing to think about all the opportunities and the tools that we have available. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, you know, for someone who's into self-development, I think that there's a lot of material available. There's a lot of opportunity. And I'm curious for your perspective, Kenny, for someone who's really looking to get started with self-development where would you advise them to start? Um, I think, you know, it just depends on how you like to receive content. You know, if you, if you like audio, then obviously your podcast would be great. And, you know, there's a, uh, if you're on Apple music, um, Les Brown has a fantastic, like three, three hours free series on there. Um, you know, as far as audio goes, as far as books go, you know, start out with things like rich dead, poor dead is a fantastic, uh, hey, that's the one I actually started with. <laughs> it's, a too, very good, it's a very good motivator. And I feel like that's what it is. a lot of people start with. And it's just, you know, one of those books that it puts you in a different mindset because, you know, mm -hmm. before I read that book, you know, I, I, I never thought of money in that way before value in that way before, you know, I'm, I'm still mm -hmm. at, kind of at the start of my journey, but you know, I, I think it was a, a really important thing to start with. Is there anything else that you recommend? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and again, you know, go, go on uh, YouTube. There's a, there's a bunch of free YouTube stuff. You know, Tony Robbins has some stuff. I think uh, people like Gary Vaynerchuk, if you're a young person, Gary V probably has a really good approach to putting things in perspective. And again, it just on how you absorb things, you know, when it comes to messages and it's the same thing I, that I teach my students because it's the same principles, it's the same approach, but sometimes they don't hear it the first time or the 10th time or the 20th time. And so it just really depends on how the, the message delivered. If you think about some of the people that have had messages like Tony Robbins, for instance, I mean, I, you know, it's the same success principles over and over and over and over and over again, you know, in, in reality, but sometimes we go, Oh, I didn't even hear that last time. You know, it's uh, if you think about like, like Jesus, for instance, I'm not super religious, but if you look at a character in, in history, like Jesus was from the Bible, he had a message and it was the same message over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually people tuned in, you know? And so, and again, that, that's a, brings up a good point is, is your message worth it? Because it was oh. worth it to Jesus to go through what he <laughs> went through. Right. So, but anyways, um, but yeah, that's what I got for that. Okay, cool. I, I really, I love what you said about, is it worth it? And I think that, you know, everyone has a, a mission, a mission, like some kind of value that they want to provide. And you got to also figure out who it's worth it to hear it from, because, you know, not everyone is going to want to tune into your message. So I think it's important to try to keep that consistent, especially if you're a content creator, keeping the same brand image, the same brand message. And then, you know, figuring out how to distribute it out there. 
And since you, you know, you're, you're a course creator, you're helping people out mm. there for, so for other people who are looking to do something similar, how would you advise them to get started so they can start finding students and getting their message out there? Um, I would say two ways. I mean, if you have a course, um, then, or, or if you have a, a desire to build a course, I use ClickFunnels. Um, ClickFunnels is a drag and drop course creator. It's super easy. Um, anyone can learn it quickly or do it quickly to get it established. But if you're even earlier on in the, uh, in the process, um, then I would say a Facebook group. Okay. I would say start a Facebook group relative to your topic. And then I would also say just dump value. And if, uh, and if you can start to kind of grow a community, um, you know, an email list is important. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks, including myself, I have a free, uh, jumpstart guide for the music industry that kind of opens the door wide open for people in my industry. And it's a free give that I give uh, on my Facebook page and just get involved in the conversation, man. I mean, Gary Vee talks about, you know, putting in two cents. You've ever heard his dollar 80 talk, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, go put your two cents in and, and, you know, answer questions and ask questions in relative things, but like, like relative groups, but have a group to send people back to, um, to where you can kind of capture those folks and, um, you know, start to, to help them. Um, ultimately, you just want people that that are wanting to hear you and support you. Um, so you can kind of, even if you're so new with your message and you have a lot of ums and you knows and, uh, you know, you're just not sure yet, just keep putting it out there consistently. Because the reality is this, social media, like Facebook algorithm, you know, you might put something on your group or your page and, the algorithm works where it's like only less than 5% of people actually see your post, you know, I've definitely unless, gotten that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless it's super engaging, you know, and, and I know this by the way, because when I built my course and wrote my books, I went and got certified uh, with digital marketing and Facebook ads and things like that. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, so like the reality is, is unless it's crazy engaging and, and whatever, it's not going to get, a bunch of views. And what I mean by that is don't worry about people. Like just put your post out, just put your go live, put your graphics up, like do your, you know, like just, you know, feed your, your group value. You know, ultimately you're only, you're only doing it for the people that are paying attention anyways. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, consistency is key. Providing value is key. And I agree. You know, what, what you said about the Facebook groups, I totally agree. And, you know, the, the group that I started for what I'm doing, you know, I really wish that I had started it earlier. I actually started it like probably two days ago. And I've oh, been, good. Yeah. And I've been working on my training system for like a couple months, you know, it's, it's November now. So probably about three and a half months. And, mm. you know, I wish I would have started that like three months ago. But, you know, I think that it's still pretty early. I could have started crazy like early two years from now instead of, you know, like just two days ago. So it's all in perspective, but Facebook groups, I think are a great way to do that. Yeah, it is, man. You know, I, I know you, you say that you should have started it earlier, but I'd say don't should have all over yourself, man. You, you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I do definitely agree. And you, you also mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk's dollar 80 strategy with the two cents. Yeah. And I, I would definitely recommend that. And mm. You know, I, I did do it for a while on Instagram. And I think if you want to build a Facebook group or a following, that's something that you should definitely do. And, you know, I'm going to start doing, you know, more of that. I got to say that I've been slacking a little bit with that. So I'm going to make sure that I write a reminder for myself to do that. But, you know, just, just staying motivated, I think. Is and, key. and yeah, I think getting, getting clear 
is, is a massive thing for motivation. Like I tell, like I tell my students, if a student tells me, I just want to get on tour, I just want to tour with a band. Well, that's not enough motivation for them to stick with the hard times where the calls aren't coming. There's not enough work to get the experience needed and blah, blah, blah. Right. But if, if they have a super clear goal about like, I one day want to be John Mayer's guitar tech. Like that's a, that's a very achievable thing as, as big as that sounds, that's a very achievable thing to my students. And, uh, and that is a lot more motivating than I just want to get on the road because that they're just wanting to get involved and there's no clarity and there's no, you know, definitive clarity to an attachment. But when they go, I want to be John Mayer's guitar tech, or I want to be the lighting designer for the Wombats. Somebody told me the other day that was their dream. That's a doable thing. And that keeps them motivated because it means it's worth it. Yeah, totally. I think that it's key to have like a really huge dream that's, you know, also achievable at the same time. Like for me, for instance, one of my goals is I want to travel and work in every single country in the world. And, you know, maybe, you know, with the exception of a couple of them, you know, if they're if they're a little rough at the time. But, you know, I think that having something like that is it really helps to, to keep you motivated. And, you know, motivation can also come from, you know, the lessons you've learned in life. You figure out what you don't want to do. And Kenny, I know that you've been in the, the music tech industry for a very long time. And I'm curious, what do you think is the, the most important lesson or piece of knowledge that you've learned during your time? Oh, you know, I would say because of the unique types of people in my industry, I'm talking, you know, it's a place where, where people that didn't fit in in the regular office world come to be like the music industry for a lot of, a lot of quirky people. But because I lived with them, and I work with them, you know, we live on a 45 foot bus and I also work with them. I learned to be a lot more forgiving because no one is like you, you know? And so like, if you live on a 45 foot bus, especially when you're living with musicians, that's tough, <laughs> you know, and other crew guys, I mean, you know, you're, you're living with like in a, in a bunk space of 12, 12 other or 11 other humans, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, you just learn to be a lot more forgiving. Um, which makes you appreciate people in general more. I realize with all of my travels, you know, we are literally all the same. I mean, there's not much different about us uh, other than our cultural traditions. Um, so that's a, that's something that I've gained. You that know? is, I think that's a, a great lesson that a lot of people can, you know, you know, take with them. And I'll definitely take that with me myself because you know, bad things happen to people, people make mistakes, but I, I don't think it's good to be stuck in the past, you know, so you, you forgive them. And then I also really like what you said about showing gratitude. I think, you know, showing that you're gracious for being alive or that you're traveling or that you're, you're kind of doing what you want, I think is powerful to put everything in perspective. And, you know, you know, people, Huge. yeah, so they, they think they're, they're stuck in their life because they're working a nine to five or they're at a fast food restaurant. But at least you're you're not in a country where you're starving or dying. At least you're at least you have like your limbs. Some people might not have their limbs, but you know, even just great being grateful for the fact that you're alive and that you can you know mm -hmm. look at the big beautiful world, I think is an amazing first step. And you know, it's something that I started doing a while ago. And you know, I I, I remember I hearing one of Tony Robbins' recommendations was to start off your day by thinking about what you're grateful for. And, you know, mm. I found that to be something very powerful and, you know, I've been, Huge, yeah. It. yeah, I think.
Yeah, it's huge. I mean, and in my industry, there's a lot of, of mental health issues, you know, sad to say there's a lot of roadies that are going through issues. I don't call it roadies anymore, but touring music, touring techs is what I call them. But anyways, uh, but there's a lot of people that are struggling with mental health issues. And uh, one thing that I um, teach my community and stuff is Tony Robbins priming or just sheer gratitude to close your eyes and to think about things that you're grateful for when you're stressed on the road. Uh, and when your cup is full, because, you know, we lose that. Like it's so easy to just get stressed and anxious and angry because we forgot about the good things and we're so focused on those things that irritate us. And so even, even, you know, tough, grumpy roadies, I got them in there freaking <laughs> talking about how they're grateful for their mothers, you know, but it, but it genuinely, it really, really, really works. Um, I forgot who originally quoted it, but I think it might've been Wayne Dreyer that, that uh, talked about you can't be, you know, angry or stressed and happy at the same time or grateful at the same time, you know? Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. True. And uh, you, you talked a little bit about Tony Robbins priming. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. anyone out there, for like the, the 10 people who haven't heard of it or tried it before, would you be able to kind of explain it to them? I, yeah, let me do my best. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's about a nine minute exercise. And uh, you start off by holding your arms up like this. It's kind of weird, but you hold your arms up by your side, kind of like uh, elbows out. And you do this breathing, yep, just like that. You breathe, do this breathing technique where you do in and out of your nose. Uh, you want to sit up straight in your chair, feet on the ground so you can ground yourself. And then you, you, you basically kind of, yeah, exactly. So you, and as you time, every time you breathe out and you bring your, your elbows down, you breathe out, you do that 40 times. And then when you stop, um, you re reflect on, now you do this three times, so you can kind of do this however you want, but you can reflect on things that you're grateful for, um, experiences that you were grateful for maybe the next time. And then you can reflect on, uh, you know, maybe like places that you're, you're grateful for, you know, or, or how you are like, I'm like, for instance, you would close your eyes after your first breast session and be like, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for being optimistic. I'm grateful for, you know, uh, being stick-to-itive, you know, I'm grateful for my self-awareness. I'm grateful for that. I can walk, I can hear like everything. You, you visualize these different aspects of gratitude in your mind in between each breathing session. You do that for like a minute, right? You're, you're great gratitude. Then back to you breathe and you do the, the, the breath things three times after you do that. And your three sets of gratitude, you, you do palms up on your, on your knees and you envision a, this is serious. <laughs> you envision this glowing ball. Okay. A, a glowing ball above the, the crown of your head. That ball is full of your gratitude and full of your love. And what you do is you envision this ball going through the top of your crown of your head, in through your body, through your heart, down your legs, all the way out your toes. And you envision it going all the way to the core of the earth scooping up the energy of the earth, going back through your toes, back through your body, all the way out to the top of your head to the sun, right? Uh, to the heavens, if you will, scooping up that power. And you do this and you, maybe you do this envision visualization, maybe for like two minutes, you know, imagine this glowing orb. Well, ultimately this glowing orb, it's going through your body and it stops on your heart. You know, it's picked up all this energy. And what you do is you think about in your mind, all of the people you're grateful for. Think about them and where they might be at that moment. And it can be things that, that are like your grandmother or my first grade teacher, you know, like go way back, like whatever it is. And, and as you're sitting there with that, 
with that glowing orb of gratitude, if you will, and you're thinking about all these people, you, you literally like blast your blast, this kind of gratitude out of your chest, out of your heart and spread it out into the world to these people. You can envision like the, the wave of gratitude hitting these people you're thankful for. Right? So when you do that, at the very last thing you do, you declare three goals, three things in your, in your life that you want to do, but you sit, you declare them like you've done them, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I made six figures this week, or I got booked on this commercial this week, or, you know, whatever, I landed this audition, or I completed my book, or whatever it is, right, you declare them. And then that's it. That's priming, you know, the, the, the breathing gratitude, the visualization of the glowing orb, and then blasting out that gratitude to people. Uh, and then declaring three goals, that's kind of priming. If you do that nine minutes, 10 minutes in the, in the morning, or to start your day or whatever, it's like ridiculously fulfilling and clarity. <laughs> hey, Kenny, I've got to say that that is definitely the, the best explanation for priming that I've heard. You know, I, I, I took a lot, a lot of tidbits from it because, okay. <laughs> you know, to learn about it, you know, I heard him just talk about it in passing. So I looked up a, a YouTube video on it and it was completely different. And the, the way that you explained, it, I think is, is way more in depth. And I, and I really, awesome. that, you know, if people, they do practice this, it can really positively impact their life. And that, and that's hundred percent. It's proven. It's how it, it works for me. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put some changes into my morning routine and I think it'll be a little more effective than, you know, even like, even with the way I was doing it before is it was just like really slow. You do it 10 times and you just go through and do the visualizations. And you know, I want to talk right. about, yeah, I want to talk about the visualization real quickly. Mm -hmm. so visualization is one of your, your most powerful abilities for kind of, you know, rewiring your brain and kind of talking mm -hmm. to the, the right side of your brain and the subconscious brain, because you know, the, the right side, it, it learns in terms of pictures and, and feelings and visualizations. So when you mm -hmm. start, you know, picturing your goals in this way or, or what you're gracious for, it can really help to kind of reset your emotional stage. And, you know, I got to say, Kenny, that the, the way that you, you explain things, I think is great. You, you have a, a real flow for words, which yeah, I think, thanks, that, you know, you know, it really shows that you, you're actually the author of two books. So mm -hmm. I, I'm curious for anyone out there who might be an aspiring author, whether it's for fiction or nonfiction, do you have any advice for these people? Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, one, I did a YouTube video that's like maybe 16, 17 minutes long about how I did the whole start to finish self-publishing book process of my first book. Um, so I'll let that be the more in depth. Uh, if people want to go check that out, you can just go visit, uh, Kenny Barnwell on YouTube and I should pop up, but I'll put I would that say, in the description for people. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would say that the first thing to do is, is like one kind of know what you want to write about, right? Like your subtitle, not necessarily the title of the book, but if people can get the subtitle of the book, like for me, mine was 10 things to consider when becoming a touring music tech. So then I literally just like broke it down, you know, uh, on a sheet of paper. I, I just started, right. That's the biggest thing is decide that you want to write a book. What are you going to write about? Not necessarily the title, but what, and then I wrote, you know, on a piece of paper, intro, one through 10 and conclusion. And then I just kind of wrote the 10 things that would be the most pertinent and, and what an introduction and conclusion with that would be. Um, but how I did my process was I talked all of the chapters into the memos, the voice memos into my phone because I'm a better talker than I am a writer. Um, and then I just disciplined myself after 
I talked all the chapters into my phone. I just disciplined myself to get up early on a tour bus. I was busy at the time. I was traveling the world with one of the artists I was with, maybe Ariana Grande or Bieber. Uh, and I was, uh, I would just discipline myself to get up in the morning, open up the word document, listen to my uh, chapters that I had talked into my voice memos and just put it into word document. Um, so that was kind of how I got it onto paper. And then from there I used freelancers on upwork.com and, uh, I found a content copy editor. I found the graphic designer, the formatter. Um, and it was all like moved forward really quickly. You know, I just was able to get out of my own way and, uh, allow this to happen. Like, you know, I had to sacrifice some sleep by getting up in the morning for a couple of weeks, you know, sacrifice some out time, which was, you know, hanging out time on the road. That was fine to write it. Um, and then, you know, it, it didn't cost me very much. I think I spent like maybe $250 start to oh, finish. Wow, for, for, yeah. Like impressive. all of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the graphics, the, all of it. I mean, I had a wonderful graphic designer that I found on upwork.com from Macedonia, like to, to do the whole book form or book formatting and PDF, like to create the book. Basically he only charged me like 50 bucks, you know, which was crazy. Very, very cheap. <laughs> Yeah, very inexpensive. And I used him for my second book and he wasn't, he wasn't much more expensive. I mean, it was just the normal rates for there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would just say decide, plan out what you're going to write about. If you don't, aren't good at writing, you can talk, use your voice memos, uh, do it that way. There's also obviously transcription apps and, and companies that you can just send in that talk and they'll type it themselves. But I wanted to kind of do it as a first layer of editing myself. And then, um, uh, yeah. And then I think the biggest thing was just making sure that like I didn't over edit because yeah, I, I think mean, those are great steps. And I, I just yeah. want to throw this out there really quickly. The, the, the voice memos, I think that's a, a great start to getting it done. But one of the, one of the, the previous guests that I had, had on the show, her name was Amanda Hoffman, mm -hmm. but she uses our, some new voice to text apps. Mm -hmm. so I think those could be very valuable as well because I, I definitely yep. plan on using that for any any books that I write in the future. So for anyone out there who really doesn't like to type or they they're they just kind of crunched on time, a voice to text app would be a great way to do that because you can you can certainly talk faster than you can write. Most people talk between like 150 to 200 words per minute. You know, I don't know too many people that can type that fast, but I certainly know people that can definitely talk that fast and i think that you know another thing that i, I want to talk to the, about today in today's conversation is you know there's a lot of opportunity out there and, and it's moving so quickly that you know we're, we're going to have long lives you know especially with the way that technology is advancing you know who knows what the average lifespan will be for our generations but i think looking at the the long-term aspects of our careers is something very important to do so Kenny, I'm curious, do you have any advice for how we can make sure that we have long-term success with the, with our careers or our businesses or our brands? Yeah, I think uh, being authentic. I think, you know, us being humans, we can see through the BS. And uh, I think when, you, when you're not authentic to yourself and you're just trying to do something or put something on just for the sake of, you know, just the end result, despite uh, on how you actually are with it. I think, uh, you know, you'll, you'll fail. And I think that the best way to have longevity is to, to find out how to be you uh, all the time and capitalize off that. <laughs> um, you know, uh, something that I tell, tell my, uh, tell my students as far as alignment is, you know, for me, I, I don't, I'm a very happy 
energetic guy and very positive, optimistic guy. I got a call to do nine inch nails. Well, I had no desire to hear nine inch nails in my ear and be a part of all of that silliness and not, not because I couldn't do the work, not that I couldn't glue up Trent Reznor's guitars and stuff every night. It wasn't that it was because of the fact that like, I couldn't be my best self in that environment. I couldn't maximize who I was in that environment because that environment wasn't right for me, despite that the paycheck would have been fine and it would have looked good on my resume. You know, so I think to have longevity in this, you have to be really honest with yourself and have complete self-awareness. I love self-awareness. I, I always say that self-awareness is definitely key and authenticity as well. I think it's, you know, what, what you said about your, your experience with Nine Inch Nails. I think that really, you know, it says something about who you are because a lot of people, they're going to chase short-term success or like short-term goals or, or short, short-term money. But when you're doing that, you know, you don't want to sacrifice your, your long-term success or your goals. And I see a lot of companies nowadays as they're going for short-term profits or goals. And they're thinking about like one year in the future or two years in the future. But I think, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, personally with what I'm doing, I want to think five years in the future, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 years in the future. I think that mm-hmm. for anyone out there, especially new entrepreneurs, new professionals, college students, anyone think more long-term. A lot of people aren't patient. Dude, I I completely agree with you. You know what's even crazier? Think about how you can make an impact a thousand years from from now. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's even better. That's taking it to the next level. Right. What are you going to leave behind? So (laughs) I got to start thinking about that. I haven't thought about the thousand years one. So I got to, I got to start thinking about that one. I'll (laughs) let you know for sure. No, for sure. The long game is so important. I mean, it's something that I struggle with too, you know, building my, um, building my, my career is, you know, realizing that, that what, what I'm doing now is not, you know, who I am and what I'm going to necessarily be doing in the future. You know, there's a, there's a period of time where you have to become, you have to become the person that can even receive those opportunities in the future. And uh, for me, I'm not there yet. I'm not that guy yet. Um, but I have to go through a bunch of challenges and, you know, hard mountains to, to become that guy. And I'm excited about that. Like, that's the only way I'm put me in the game. Like, I'm excited, you know? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I think a lot of people, it can bring out their competitive spirit. One of, one of the, the, the things that I've seen with a lot of people in, in university is like, their, their parents put this immense pressure on them to be successful by the time they're like 22. You know, why do you have to be successful when you're 22? You're like in the first quarter of your life. You know, people might even live to be 150. I think if you want to do it right, you got to be patient. And if you, like, like we were just talking about, you don't want to sacrifice your, your, your long-term success and goals for short-term. So, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot yeah. of people just don't have those long-term goals, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it just takes self-awareness, you know, when, once you realize that you, you have the option of focusing on the long-term and, you know, being more, more intelligent about the actions that you take and, you know, taking the, some, sometimes the long road is better. Sometimes there are shortcuts you can take, but, mm. you know, I think that as long as you're, you're smart about it. And as we talked about earlier, you know, you're, you're learning on one hand, you're getting all this information from mentors or courses or whatever, but if you pair that with consistent action, yeah, it can happen in a, in a shorter amount of time, but you know, it's kind of like a roll of the dice. It's not going to happen to everyone, but I think if you focus on the right things, then, you know, eventually the odds are certainly in your favor for, you know, living a life that you really want to live. And I think that's what's so exciting about today's world. What do you think? 
Oh man. I mean, absolutely. We've haven't been in a better time to be able to capitalize on being us as individuals. I mean, we literally can, you know, be who we are in front of a camera and make money for it if we want to. And that's you amazing. Know? You know, you just, just think about it. Mm-hmm. It is amazing, but it just takes a long time. There was a, uh, you were talking about something about having mentors and coaches and I, and I am that, you know, I help people to go from where they are now to where they want to be in my industry in a shorter amount of time. However, what made me who I am today was the fact that I didn't have the mentors. I didn't have the coaches and I had to go and build some real muscles. Um, there's a, a lady that my wife follows um, on YouTube and she's been a YouTuber now for nine years and she just launched a skincare line. And uh, instead of getting private label, instead of getting a mentor or business coach and all that, her and her sister just figured it out like chemists, the whole deal. And she, she attributes the six years it took her to figure it out, to have it come to fruition as it is now through all of the hardships. Um, the reason why it's so great and why she's, she's, you know, thinking about that long game versus like getting a coach trying to get there quicker. You know what I mean? You, for you leave out building muscles. You don't build some of the necessary muscles, maybe, you know, you bring up a, a very good point. And, you know, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if in their situation, they still read books or you like use anything to learn. But, you know, sometimes you got to leverage what you have to and you don't always have to bring on mentors or coaches. Sometimes, you know, their their outside perspective, it might, you know, interfere with what you're trying to do, your brand vision, or they just might set you down the wrong path. Because I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of coaches and consultants I've seen out there who don't really have that much experience. And for mm-hmm. for someone who's a new entrepreneur taking them and getting it from someone who doesn't have that experience or outdated experience can be more harmful than good. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you focus on the long-term game, you know, you bring up a fantastic point that sometimes your own judgment, your own vision and your commitment is, is certainly the right thing to do. But there's at the same time, there's so many people that just are, are, not able to get out of their own way, not able to get them get in control of themselves. And not that it's not necessarily an overly bad thing. I don't think that everybody has that gumption, has that thing like I do. Uh, And I would never expect any of my students to work like I do if I can be the example, but like I wouldn't expect them to work like I do um, because I'm, I'm, I'm me for a reason. I'm where I'm at for a reason. And uh, it's the same thing with the the lady that put out the skincare line in six years with her, with their sister. It's like, if another person wants to put out a skincare line and do it with mentors and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a personal preference, but I do, I do feel like there are certain muscles that you build up when you go through personal uh, hardship and you don't try to cut corners or, you know, gain a perspective that allows you a workaround, you know, because sometimes, and I'm honestly, almost every time going through that mud or going through that tough, challenge the resistance is the way to make it 10 times better on the other side not just done but strong you know i certainly agree with you i think that you know every action every mistake you go through that's a very important part of being an entrepreneur and you know the lessons that you learn from that the knowledge you get i think is going to be much stronger than everything that you 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 can take from it and you know i think it it just requires a fine balance of you know doing your own things Mm -hmm. you know making sure you think through everything that you're doing and you know i think for sure you know self-awareness is probably the the number one key to really being successful with it and making sure that you're on the right path because as long as you're moving forward by 
while, while still being mindful of what you're doing. I think that, you know, that's, that's one of the best things that you can do. And for anyone out there who's a new entrepreneur, who's, who's been an entrepreneur or is a professional, anyone, just keep looking forward and just try to be mindful of everything that you do every single day. So Kenny, I know that you, you probably have a busy day and everything going mm-hmm. on. So there, there's one question that I typically wrap up my episodes with, and it goes Let's along the lines of this. If you could only leave the audience with only one piece of actionable advice, you know, for you, what would it have to be? I'm curious. Uh, I would say one last piece of actionable advice. Or it could be something that you already talked about before. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many things. I think, uh, I think the very first step to anything, anything is decide. And I'm not talking about dabbling deciding. Like if you are trying to get fit and you work out for a month, but then you, then you slack off. That's, that's just dabbling. You didn't really decide from the beginning. I'm talking about real decisions. It's what I tell my students. You have to decide. You don't have to decide that you want to do the specific, this, that, or other, but you do have to decide that you're capable, that it's possible, and that what you want is worth it. You make a decision that you want it, it's worth it, and that you're capable, then the rest, the path, and all of that will, will show itself. You know, no, like I have to say, that's a piece of great advice. <laughs> like it said, the, uh, you know, the, the teacher will appear when the student is ready. So. Okay, great. You know, I'm still waiting for that teacher to appear, <laughs> you know, <I'm> just <laughs> kidding, but I think that, you know, the, the ultimate decision, once you realize exactly what you want to do, that can be one of the, the most life changing moments in your life. And for, you know, everyone listening out there, I hope that they can certainly relate to that because a lot of young people, people in college, you know, they haven't made that ultimate decision what they want because sometimes it's because they haven't learned enough, they haven't met the right people, or they haven't tried enough things. They haven't tried enough things. Yeah, exactly. So I think that you just got to keep trying different things and, you know, Mm -hmm. figure out, you know, what is my purpose in life? Yeah, I mean... No, you're right. And, and don't mean to cut you off, Kenny. You know, it's, 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 I look at you and I know that a lot of your audience is probably a lot of younger folks. And I would say that, you know, obviously impatience is a big thing in the younger community, but don't be mistaken. It's a big thing in the older community too. There's a, there's a, uh, uh, an age group of 50 and older that feel like they're old and that they're having to start back from the beginning of something. And uh, they get super impatient and worried that they're not there quick enough and that they have to decide quick enough. I have quite a few students in my course that are 50, uh, 48, 49, and 50 and older. And I tell them the same thing. Listen, if it takes you two to three years to end up getting on that tour bus, from starting as a stagehand to getting on that tour bus, if it takes you two or three years, you still get to live another decade plus or more living your dream at that age. You know, you know that, and that's still a long time. It might even be longer than crazy that. long. Yeah, crazy long. I told you, like my my first couple of years in the in touring, I'd been all over the world a bunch. Like, imagine ten years into it. Imagine fifteen years into it. And that's what I'm telling these people. And it's the same thing with your young, the young community. It's like it's no different. You guys can just try. You don't have to make a decision, but you do have to decide that you're capable. That whatever that you want to become is worth it. You know. 
Um, I, I want to say possible. one thing really quickly, you know, you know, speaking of, you know, that you're capable of it. One of the, the central themes for our podcast and everything that we do is that, you know, every single person on the planet is capable of far more than they could ever imagine. Like every single person listening to this, you know, me, you, everyone has such great potential, but you know, a lot of people don't really realize that they might think that they're stuck or that they can't do this or they can't do that. And they have all these limiting beliefs. So one of the first things that you, you really got to do is you got to, you got to take these beliefs off, you know, you know, beliefs mm-hmm. aren't real. That's one of the first steps is to, you know, realize that, you know, if you don't like your beliefs about yourself, you know, find ways to get rid of them because there are ways mm-hmm. that might be difficult to get rid of. They might be, you know, ingrained in your brain, but mm-hmm. you know, with time and effort, you can get rid of them. And so I, I, I want to start wrapping things up so I can let you get back to your, to your busy yes. life, Kenny. And you know, if the, if the audience wants to find out more about you, about what you're doing and your, your business and everything, where could they do so at? Uh, you guys can go to my website. That's KennyBarnwell.com. Uh, I've got a bunch of free guitar tech tips and guitar setup stuff um, on YouTube. You can find Kenny, Kenny's guitar tech tips on YouTube. Uh, and really just send me a friend request on Facebook. You know, I have a uh, community on Facebook called the Backstage Crew Community. It's uh, not just for people that work in backstage. It's for people that are just interested. I do a ton of free trainings, uh, a lot of resources. And uh, it's just a great community of positive, optimistic, encouraging people that are just building long-term careers in the industry. So that's the Backstage Crew Community. And uh, send me a friend request on Facebook. Okay, man. Awesome. And I will put all the information in the description below and for the, the blog post for this episode. And, and awesome. Kenny, it, was, it, was a, it was a great pleasure to have you <laughs> on the show today. I definitely learned a lot and I'm sure that the, the audience will certainly learn a ton as well. So thank you. Man, thank you, Kenny. I really appreciate the opportunity, man. It was fun. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. It was great to talk to you today. And we'll, we'll, we'll certainly keep in touch and you know, we'll have to have an, an update episode in the future and as time goes. Love on. to. So to the, yeah, so to the listeners out there, I hope that you guys also got a ton of value from this episode. And if you did get a ton of value from this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast because we're going to keep providing these episodes. And I'll put Kenny's information in the description below so that you guys can go see what he's doing. You can check out his stuff. And maybe you too can be a music tech and travel the world because you know to me traveling the world and you know getting to work with all these awesome stars and meeting all these cool unique people that sounds amazing to me and i'm and i'm certain that a lot of you listeners out there that might be something cool for you to check out so you know just check out the stuff below and till next time we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the da vinci mindset podcast